0: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Recruitment Startup Subject. a podcast fixated on understanding the questions around what it takes to launch and run your own recruitment agency. Now, within this series, we're talking to entrepreneurial recruiters who have taken the leap to start their own agency. And as we really look to understand what finally made them make that leap, focusing on, on really everything from the practicalities, and the journey that they went on to get to, where they are today to the challenges that they face and the hurdles they've had to overcome and the journey they've been on to date. Really in the hope of A, understanding more about them and their unique journey and, and B, giving recruiters out there who might just might be listening to this today, toying with the idea of starting their own agency and insight um, into what it really takes to start and run your own agency in today's market. And today... We're joined by Adam Nichols, founder of Rosslyn David, a specialist marketing headhunting firm based here in the UK. Now, I've wanted to to have Adam on the podcast for a while now. I've known of him through LinkedIn for a while and always thought he'd bring a, a refreshing, honest, humble take on business ownership. Something that I know is so important to People taking the time to listen to this podcast today. So I was really, really glad that we're able to sit down and record this episode together. He's a he's a business owner. He's been working in recruitment for a number of years, and having worked in recruitment for those years, was then sitting there and. Essentially, decided to make decisions to start his own agency. He knew his market, he knew he was ready, and it was just a case of getting the support he needed around him and making that leap. And around three and a half years ago, he did just that. So, launching in 2018, his marketing headhunting firm, Rosslyn David has grown year on year, but, but grown in the right way organically and, and ethically to ensure that the culture and ethics he holds so dear are filtered through every interaction, every conversation and every placement him or his team make, because that's why he started the business, you know, to create a culture he could be proud of Along a, alongside, obviously, a whole host of, of other reasons we delve into in great detail in this chat. So it's a, it's an honest, humble, humorous at times and informative chat about the realities of of running your own recruitment agency and one that i'm really pleased and i'm really proud to share with you but i suppose that's enough from me um let's welcome adam to episode eight of the recruitment startup subject adam you okay mate (coughs) i'm good mate how are you max you well very good. Yes, yes, very good. Obviously, firstly, thank you very much for, for coming on. I guess, you know, for, for people who have been living under a rock for the last couple of years, you might not know anything about you. Do you mind just introducing yourself and then we can go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Adam Nichols and I am the founder and very much hands on uh, director at Rosslyn David, the uh, marketing headhunters. I guess, obviously, so that's your own business. I mean, how long have you been doing that then? Three and a half, just over three and a half years. Wow. So so just getting into kind of the the swing of it, I mean, obviously for for the listeners, naturally they're they're usually recruiters who have either been thinking about the idea of doing it for themselves for a long time. So naturally people in your position are people that they aspire to to be at one point or people who have kind of made that transition themselves. And I guess if you kind of cast your mind back three and a half years before making the leap and doing what you're doing now, I guess, what what were the reasons why you did it in the first place? Um, Well, partly the same as the cliche reasons that most people say i'm fed up of making other people money blah 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 which is the most common answer you know there was there was one one year i think i billed about 260 grand 240 grand something like that and i think i earned about 70 or 80 of that at the time which was yeah great money, great money to be on when I was in my mid twenties, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I, I instantly went, hang on, where does the rest of that money go? You know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of like half of the reason. And the other sort of 50% is kind of timing, I guess. So I went through a slight Rocky patch before joining or joining Ross David before creating Ross yeah. and David. Um, and I just found my feet and got back settled into a company that I, I, I liked and, and that suited my style and gave me the autonomy that I wanted. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, a good friend of mine said, do you fancy starting something up? And it's one of them like, why didn't you say this three or six months ago? You know, I've just got myself settled. But um, we ended up continuing those conversations. And yeah, over a a bottle of wine, Ross and David as as a concept was kind of born, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess before those kind of interactions and conversations about doing it, had you always had your eye on doing it for yourself at some stage? Or was it really that six months prior that acted as the catalyst for you? Oh, I think I had, I think I had, um, but I hadn't looked into it and yeah. kind of sussed out how much things cost. Like someone had once said to me, oh, to have a CRM for a recruitment firm, that's going to cost you 40 grand a year, which is completely not true, you know, but that, that was lodged in my brain. Yeah, so every yeah. time the right the hand side of my brain went, Adam, why are you going to do this on your own? The other side of my brain went, wow, you need 40 grand for a CRM. You know, which you is go. obviously yeah. completely untrue. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it had always been something I thought about, but I hadn't kind of really looked into it properly. But it had always been in the in the back of my mind. And I suppose why had you thought about it? Obviously, the financials are one thing. I think for for anybody is as obviously cliches. I know you just said yourself, yeah, that's always a catalyst for everyone because it is so black and white. I guess what 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 else was really pulling you to want to do? Um, well, I kind of fell into recruitment, and luckily had kind of the right I say ethos and morals to do the job properly yeah. you know you've got like this you've got your sales element and you've got your resilience and you've got your emotional agility and all the other things you need to be a good recruiter yeah. but as a as a as a general rule we've got a pretty bad reputation um for lots and lots of reasons some are really deserved and some aren't you know but that's a conversation for another another podcast but I kind of I had a bit of a bee in my bonnet about creating a recruitment firm that had absolutely no bad reputation whatsoever. You know, you can think of any recruitment company you can think of. Some people have got good stories and some people have got not so good stories depending on who they've dealt with over time. So you've got a really kind of, I can't think of the word. And I'm usually quite good with words. What am I trying to think of? You've got quite a diverse range of reviews and opinions of every recruitment firm. And I thought, I know how to do this right. I know how to do this properly. You've got to communicate. You've got to be honest at all times. You've got to follow service and not money because if you get the service right, the money will come, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my goal, really. I wanted to create something where no one will ever walk away from a Ross David experience and go, they're not very good, or that's why they've all got a bad reputation. And that was kind of what I wanted to do, really. And, and then that being driven by, obviously, yeah, morally just the type of individual that you are, I'm sure, but, but also the environments that you were in pre-starting up on your own. Did they kind of instill that mindset that actually, if you if you go into every conversation with that mindset, the money, as you were saying, will just follow? Yes and no. I think, you know, I've, I've worked with, I've worked at four different recruitment firms over the course of, what, seven years-ish, give or take. Yep. I've worked with some really good recruiters and been trained by some really good recruiters. And I've 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 mentally stolen their skills to add to my weaponry. Yeah, equally, yeah, and equally, I've worked I've, I've I've worked with some people who aren't very good. And when I say aren't very good, it's not it's not because they haven't got the skill, but they try and cut corners and things. So I've witnessed a lot of things where yeah. I've gone, I know I'm not ever going to do that again. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's I've had some I've had some good training and some bad training, and it's kind of brought me to the place where I am. You so take bits and pieces, don't you? Yeah. 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 And absolutely. I think over the course of seven years of, of doing it for a, a number of agencies, naturally you start to build a picture of what you want this vehicle to be for yourself. And, and you mentioned it just then. I think I've seen it on LinkedIn as well. So you, you originally went into partnership with somebody else. Was it, was that person another another recruiter then? No, no. So I'll keep that story fairly short because I could talk about this in, in loads of detail. But essentially a good friend of mine from school, yeah. um, he was kind of in like an operations manager role for his dad's kind of SME like a security technology company um, and uh, a guy called Bobby um, and Bobby could quite easily have inherited that business when when his dad retired and, lived a very very comfortable lifestyle but Bobby wanted to start something up on his own yeah. and I thought brilliant well you can teach me the commercials of running a business I'll teach you how to recruit marketing people yeah. and if we if we go like that which is a bit of a David Brent thing to do yeah, yeah. do one of them um, and <laughs> then then we'll be then we'll be all right you know yeah. and that was kind of how how the business started and and yeah it, it got to a point well, April last year, just before the pandemic, where he oh, didn't sort so of relatively have the recently, passion. then in some respects, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It was literally eight, April last year. Um, he hadn't really been at work for a little while because he had some family stuff going on, um, and ultimately didn't really have the passion or the fire for it. So, yeah. luck, luckily, I was in a position to be able to buy him out, yeah. which is what I did. Um, yeah. And since April of last year, I've been hundred percent shareholder. Yeah, and I guess obviously you mentioned something there about the fire and the passion that you need for the journey that you're on, because obviously, you know, whether you've been doing for, for six months or three and a half years or 13 years, it's a it's a hard old journey that ironically never really gets easy. You just get different kinds of challenges that come up, I guess. What do you feel you were equipped to to do what you were doing, or were you very much of the mindset that I'll just kind of make, not make it up as I go along, but deal with the challenges as as and when they come, or did you feel personally ready for the for the fight, if that makes sense? Are we talking when I bought him out last year, or right at the beginning? Right at, when the, we beginning, started? So, um, right at the beginning, yeah. Oh, good question. Um, I I knew I knew I could recruit, and I knew I could place people ethically and make money. Yeah. And that 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 was enough for me to give me the confidence. You know, when it comes to luckily I recruit marketing folks, so I know more That's, than your average person yeah, yeah. about about yeah. marketing. I'm not a marketer by any stretch. I'm nowhere near creative enough. Or skilled enough, but I've got a bit of marketing knowledge, you know, and ultimately, I, I, I guess the thing that gave me the confidence was that my moral compass always points in the right direction. And I had a good, good billing history. And the thing is, the mark of a good recruiter is not billings. And that's the biggest thing that people go on about. Oh, I build this, I build this, aren't I, I I'm the best things that slice bread? That doesn't make you a good recruiter. What makes you a good recruiter is how many dropouts you have yeah which should be none in theory. I know it's technically not necessarily something a recruiter could control, but the smaller amount of dropouts, the better, and the level of repeat business you get. and yeah. I had I got to a point where I had a good bank of clients that would I could have gone and set up a business on the moon and they would have followed me there. you yeah. know so i ha- I had that comfort blanket, I suppose, of knowing that I wasn't starting something completely from scratch being ready isn't it which obviously you know doesn't happen overnight it's a a gentle type thing obviously you mentioned being a you know the traits of being a good recruiter do you think what what are the traits of being a good business owner because obviously there are exceptional recruiters on paper and obviously sorry in practice as well that naturally Mm. might not really feel comfortable for want of a better phrase and making that transition to to do something for themselves so I guess skill set wise and this is obviously a very big question what what types of skill set does a recruiting business owner need to obviously make that leap effectively, if that makes sense. So yes, it's, I think it's a mixture of skill sets and personality traits as well. Yeah. Um, skill set wise, you've got to be commercially savvy. Is the first one, and the thing is, you don't need to be, you don't need to be like you know Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson or whatever. Yeah. But you've certainly got to understand how profit and loss works. You know how corporation tax works, how VAT returns work, how you should pay yourself in a tax efficient manner. You've got to understand all of that stuff. Um, I think you've got to be incredibly resilient as well. Um, And I think a lot of the skills that you need to be a successful and and, a good recruiter are kind of mirrored in what you need to be able to run a business. You know, you've got to be mentally agile. You've got to be a people person. You've got to listen more than you speak, which some people might not think I do because I talk a lot on LinkedIn, but I do listen and read an awful lot as well. Um, You know, and, and, humility as well you know my, my name is, is above the door and I say this to the guys in the office all that means is that if the taxman comes after anyone it's me and not you guys you know every decision we make within the business is, is one that we make as a team everything from the flavor of coffee that we have to if we're moving offices if we're hiring someone if we're changing CRM how much we spend on certain things so I think you've got to go into starting a recruitment business with a team team kind of mentality because yeah. it's always yeah. going to be a very flat structure to start with yeah. you know even for, going to be you know, for, in for, for so many years and i'm sorry but yeah no i mean even mm. three and a half years in it is it is a flat earth kind of structure mm. because naturally that's the only way these things can really then organically yeah. scale and you mentioned the team there i guess when you started out and i'm sure the motivations are very similar but i'm sure have developed over the years did you always feel like you wanted to build a team around you Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always had an idea that I don't want, I never wanted Ross and David to get too big, um, purely because when you get to a certain size and you've got people in multiple offices or whatever, you can't guarantee that consistent level of service. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier on, where you could ring ABC recruitment and if Bob picks up the phone, you're going to have a horrendous experience. If Sally picks up the phone, you're going to think that ABC are great, you know? So for me, it's about getting it to a size where, we're servicing as many clients in Canada as properly as we can, yeah. workload wise, and the consistent level of service and communication and standard isn't broken. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, I don't mean this how it's going to sound, but once you've got a recruitment model that works and your clients and your candidates are happy, you can scale it in theory as far as you like, as long as you've got the working capital to do Absolutely. so. Yeah. But the problem that you've got, if you go to 50 people in two years in two offices and you're the one individual who started that business, you cannot guarantee that everybody is talking about that business and the service proposition in the same way. So yeah. that consistency is, is absolutely key for me. And that's it's why possible. that organic growth is so important, isn't it? It's slowly yeah. but surely growing, which obviously goes to then hiring in the business. And I guess, well, so when did you bring your first hire on, if you don't remember me asking. About six months in-ish so it's relatively early relatively early yeah so what kind of triggered that i'm sure financially it it was the right time i guess did you just Mm -hmm. for for one of the better phrases did you stumble across the right person or did you actively go out there and say no we just need no it was it it was it was it was someone that we knew so it was someone that i'd worked with previously um and it was someone who had a good name in the market good experience in the market and ultimately believed in our way of doing things you know we hadn't reinvented the the wheel by any stretch but like i said it was built on that don't do what the bad recruiters do and do do what the good recruiters do you know and and she was brought into that so she she came on board as like a i think she was she was quite a senior individual at kind of account director kind of level yeah at the time and obviously that when when culture and ethos and mentality are so are so important when building that business how how do you sitting there doing all the things that obviously as a business owner you need to do alongside your own desk and everything else that comes with that. How how do you ensure that that culture and that ethos is is throughout everything that everybody does? Um, I think consistency is is key. Um, I'm I'm quite I don't know whether fortunate is the right word, but I'm very much like a what you see is what you get kind of person. Yeah. You know the way that I the way that I am on LinkedIn and the way I engage with people. I'm, I'm just as irritating and sarcastic in real yeah, life, no, no, I which, get yeah, which, you know, like yeah. might, might, might not be for everybody, but consistency is key. You know, everybody knows that I'm going to be the same bloke every day, give or take, you know, which, and I, I also, because I am myself, I encourage everyone else to be themselves as well. You know, mm. if yeah. if Lucy wanted to create a personal brand on LinkedIn, that was in a different direction than mine, I've got no issue with that. You know, yeah. I actively want everybody to be themselves. And I think there's a lot to be said. If you go to work and you know that you don't have to think before you speak, you can just be who you want to be. It's just a love. It's just a nice environment to be in. So that's just kind consistency, of, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it breeds that 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 kind of uh, fa- not family culture. That sounds really cheesy, but it really kind of is that. You know, well, I think just it's a supportive it's, place to be. Yeah, and it's, it's something that you mentioned before: being able to pick up the phone to anybody at the agency and and feel that underlying culture being there is is an incredibly if we look at the types of guys that we work with and obviously you know talking about culture it's it's a massively important motivator for 99.9% of them but there's one thing thinking about there's one thing then implementing it and then getting the right types of people there so that hiring process to get you to to the the level of heads that you are now has it been challenging to, to find the right types of people or has it just kind of have they just kind of come to you if that makes sense that the answer to that has changed a lot over the last 12 months. Um, yeah. you know, 12, 12, 18 months previous wasn't really that hard to be honest, because yeah. there were a lot of recruiters that were doing well, some that weren't doing well and movement was a fairly solid thing. Um, but now, now as I'm sitting here now, the last yeah. job I would want would be to be a wreck to I mean, my God, the, it's just so hard. You know, I've, I'm, yeah. we're, we're looking, we're hiring two people at the moment. Um, in an ideal world, one at the more senior end of the spectrum and one is yeah. more of a trainee. Yeah. Um, we've got two Rector X on the go at the moment as well, working alongside us. And I've said to both Rector X, to get this to the top of your priority list, I'd pay you the whole fee up front. I've got no issue with that, just to demonstrate my commitment to the cause. Yeah. And both, both have politely declined that because they're not sure that they can fill any roles at the moment. Because good, good recruiters are just so well looked after mm-hmm. that they're not having their head turned by an email or a linkedin message or a video or anything like that so to answer your question more concisely now it's very hard um but previously it's been a bit easier and one one of the guys here james human who I, i worked with previously in finance yeah um and i spotted that he'd gone into recruitment and i said ah i know the firm that he's gone to and if he's no good they'll have got rid of him in three months so i watched just to make sure that he was and as and good half as I was still there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, so yeah and, and equally because I knew him quite personally I kind of knew the frustrations he'd have with where he was at because I'd worked there previously so I kind of pinched him for want of a nicer phrase um and then James Woodward who um is here as well too James is yeah. he is someone that worked at a, an agency that I previously worked at and we just got chatting um and then Lucy, who's here, I'd never spoken to before, kind of dropped her a message and she was open to a chat. And similar so to really, mix, so. then, Yeah, you get that collective mix of people that most of the guys that we support who scale. Um, yeah, it's a collective yeah. mix of people that they know already because I don't want to say it represents less of a risk because obviously every new hire is a risk in its own way. But culturally, you kind of hopefully know what you're getting. Um, yeah. And then it's just bringing like minded people into it. It's cliches. I know that sounds. And I guess. Over, over that journey, the, the, the vision for one of that phrase that you have so clearly had over the last three and a half years is, is evident to anyone who knows you on LinkedIn or knows you personally. I guess, has, has the vision for the business changed over the last three and a half years, or has it always been quite consistent in terms of where you want to get it, let's say in the next couple of years? Uh, I don't, uh, that's a difficult question to answer purely based on the change that we've all seen in the market because yep. of the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, the vision has always been to, to do what we do in the right way, in an ethical way, and grow to a point that is sustainable to maintain that level of service. So that yep. part of the vision has maintained the same. Yep. Um, in terms of us, obviously, Ross and David are a marketing headhunt firm. Mm-hmm. We are a marketing headhunt firm. So we've got no plans to, to split out and do recruit in other areas. So that vision has remained the, remained the same. So I suppose it kind of, it has remained the same. I'm, that's a really good question, actually, which is why I'm struggling to answer it. Well it sounds I mean, um, all, all right, so it sounds like it's stayed the same. And I think if you can sit there six months in, six years in, sixteen years, and then say that the vision has remained the same, that's that's because I think the, the, the humility when running a business is, is one of those things that if you look at the guys that are quote more successful, which really is just about longevity and being able to build that business that they desire, not so much on headcount, whatever it is that's important to them. The humility side of things is incredibly important because to be honest, you everyone is learning as they go. And I think people, I think this is where that perception versus reality of what entrepreneurship means and that cliche word that is chatted around anywhere. And I guess was your perception of running the business different to the reality? So Adam, three and a half years ago, thinking the journey would be X, Y, Z, did it, did it go the way that you thought it would be? personally as well because obviously it's a challenge in so many ways I'm sure as well can I be honest please <laughs> it was it was it was easier than I thought it would be yeah why um I mean we, we set out targets in our business plan we had a, a, a revenue of a, a, we want to hit in our first year of trading if we can bill and return over this amount we'll be happy yeah. and we did it in nine we did that in nine weeks. So we were like, hang on a minute, like, is this, is this luck? Like, what's going on? So we never had that, Christ, where's the next fee going to come from? How are we going to pay our mortgages? We, luckily, touch with. we never had that, and we've never had that. So yeah. I suppose the, the struggle for me was getting my head around the commercials of running the business. Yeah, Because I'd, I don't mean this in a cocky way, but I kind of already got the recruitment stuff locked because I've yeah. done it. And I knew how to do it, and I still know how to do it now. But the commercial run-ins of a business, I had to get my head around, you know, VAT returns and balance sheets and P&Ls and all this, that and the other. Yeah. I'd never done any of that before. So that was the bit that was difficult. But in terms of getting the business up and running, we also had quite a – we didn't really have a service proposition to start with other than the fact – that ross and david were a marketing recruitment agency that was what we were when we started and we've now morphed to a point where the first thing i say to any client or candidate is we're not a recruitment agency we're a headhunt firm and then i talk about the the differences and the problems that it can solve and this that and the other so but that's not something that a year in we decided right we're now a headhunt firm it evolved over time yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely And, and the way that we proposition ourselves three years from now may be completely different but it's, it's it's important that you, that that service proposition can be fluid because markets change. So what you can do for a market is going to change. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head in so many ways there. But one of them is that most recruiters, 99.9% of the recruiters that, that go out there and do something themselves do so 101 different reasons but one of them is that they feel incredibly comfortable and confident in profession what they do their lane their market their niche whatever it might be it is then absolutely the other understandable challenges or things they've got to wrap their head around that uh, whether it's accounts or the compliance or the marketing which obviously you had your, your foot in that market anyway I guess when, when did you start to feel comfortable with the, the commercials was it a couple of weeks in was it six months that you still not know what you're doing
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I'm, I'm I, I, ironically uh, I'm still learning now you yeah. know um, yeah. as I said the, the 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 idea behind myself and Bobby starting the business was that he would baby step me into the commercial stuff and I would yeah. baby step him into the recruitment stuff stuff is such an overused word but yeah you know what I mean um, and then yeah I he decided he didn't want to be a part of the business anymore I bought him out and I had to learn quick I'd never done a tax return. I didn't do. I hadn't done payroll. I knew who our accountants were. Probably had two conversations with them. Oh, okay. I had yeah, access. Okay. I had access to the bank account. I knew what was money was owed, and I saw some invoices, and that was it. I overnight had to be commercial director as well as like billing manager. Yeah. So, yeah, the last twelve months have been a bit of a steep learning curve from a, a commercial perspective. Um, but equally, I I'm completely comfortable. at, with admitting something when I don't know it, which is the whole reason that we've, we've appointed our, our non-exec director, David Board, because I had some commercial decisions I had to make with the business about which direction to move in and what yeah. hires to make. And I thought I'd reach out to someone that I trust, yeah. whose opinion I value and who I respect highly. And I did that because I didn't know the answer. And I thought, I'm not going to guess and get it wrong. I will, I will engage with someone and seek advice from someone who, will, who knows more than me. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really important in business that you have to have the humility and the, the self-awareness to do that. Yeah, and I think that humility piece has obviously come through in so many, so many types of conversations that you and I have already kind of have. And I think, so well, that relationship with your, your non-exec then, was that, so how long did you guys know of one another or know each other very well before you thought actually, more formally, this needs to this needs to happen? Yeah, good question. So I mentioned that rocky period that I had before I, I started the business. yeah. Yeah, uh, and I worked at a company called the One Group to do senior marketing positions. I worked there for six months, and I barely arranged an interview. I'll be completely frank; made no placements. Um, I was on a fairly hefty guarantee as well at the time, so I was quite a, a commercial hit for the business on the on the, the sort of uh, um paye front. And I, I failed there massively. You know, it was you know partly my fault, other contributing factors. I didn't massively get on with the person I reported into. But ultimately, the environment wasn't for me, so it was yeah. much—it it much my fault as it was anyone else's. But it just was a mismatch, essentially. Um, but I went away from doing six months there, coming away thinking that David guy—he's so switched on. He's one of the sort of one of the people that when he when he talks in a room, you sit and you make notes and you listen because you know you're going to learn something. Yeah, you know, there were three directors at the time, but all three were great. But David was the one that I was like, he knows his stuff. And I kind of just watched from afar what was going on. And I saw that he actually got bought out of the business himself uh, last year, I think, or maybe a year, year 18 months ago. Yeah. So he was my, when I first thought, right, I need to get some external advice here. I just dropped him a message on LinkedIn. I said, hi, David, I hope you're well. Um, I've got a few questions, if you, if you don't mind giving me some of your time, just with regards to the commercial direction of the business. Jumped on the phone. Luckily, he was completely open to a chat. So I think we had a couple of phone calls that were an hour, hour and a half long, a couple of meetings that were hour, hour and a half long. Yeah. Um, and he came to the conclusion that not only did we need a non-exec director from an advisory capacity, um, just somebody who can come in and do a day a month, you know, just check the strategy, check everything's in line. Yep. But he wanted to put himself forward for that role because he really believes in what we do as a business, you know. And that's kind of how we've ended up where we are now. And I've, yeah, he's, he's met the team. He spent a lot of time in the office and, Strategically, we've got some pretty exciting stuff kind of on the horizon for the next year or two. Um, and I'm really pleased that he's he's happy to be involved. I think that's the as cliche, as I know this saying, is the, the power of the partnerships you have around you, isn't it? I mean, the people that you have in and around that business, whether physically sitting there day in, day out, or coming yeah. in every single month and doing what you're doing. And I guess you mentioned obviously that that rocky period pre launch. I guess three and a half years is a very long time. I'm sure there's been ups and downs, as naturally any business would. I guess. What have been the, the the trickiest kind of touch points for yourself over the last three and a half years when when running the business, if any? I'm not sure that would have been something. Um, we've made a couple. Uh, we've made a couple of hiring decisions that haven't quite worked how we thought they would. Yeah. Um, and you know, as as a typical trait of someone that I'm, I'm, I'm like six foot five. I'm big. I'm noisy. I wave my hands a lot. A typical trait for someone like me is that I don't really don't like to upset people. So. Having to have those awkward conversations with staff that aren't doing what they should be was mm. pretty tough. So that was a, 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 a bit of a, a, a bump in the road, so to speak. Did you put those conversations um, off? Yeah, um, a of time or not? Probably in one instance, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was someone that I knew relatively well, um, and you know, if it wasn't for my business partner at the time, we we may have strung that out longer than it needed to be. But, mm. but from a commercial perspective, it was just a car crash. You know, again, I'm not necessarily saying that that individual is incapable. It may have been a, a, a situation that I had with that company where she's joined us yeah. and we just haven't done the, the Brent finger entwine alignment. That's you know twice what I mean? now, so, mate. That's twice now. I know, that, yeah. I know. We're I know, playing know, Brent finger, and I'm that's, man. yeah. I know, I know, I know. I'm doing it intentionally because I posted about David Brent today. That's why he's on my mind. I thought, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, I thought you might. Um, but yeah, so that was a bit of a hiccup and then you know COVID I mean what an absolute nightmare we go from having really healthy desks and a nice yeah. pipeline of 200 grand to roles being put on hold offers being withdrawn candidates you know saying yes I did accept the offer but I don't want to move now and everything flipped on its head in the space of a week or two so as far as bumps in the road go that was a mountain to be yeah absolutely and and I guess obviously that there's always going to be ups and downs. There always is. The instability, the stability argument, you know, when you talk to anyone that, that might, was that's tentatively on the fence about doing it or, or starting their own thing. One of the arguments that subconsciously they always have is about stability. Do, do you feel more stable three and a half years in running your own business than you would, say, three and a half years into an agency role? Do you feel more stable in what you're doing now or is there, obviously there is instability, isn't there? Well, the thing is, if you're if you're three and a half years into a role within an agency, you've only really got to worry about your billing. I mean, you might yes, you might be a team manager, you might have a resource or whatever, but you know, if I do X, I'm safe. You know, yeah. but running running a business is completely different because there's so many more moving parts, yeah. and ultimately, the buck the buck stops with you. You know, and uh, you know, if if you're a recruitment agency and you've got a basic salary of forty k, that's a 40k more of a basic salary than I've got Mm. because I don't I don't have I don't have any guaranteed income every month don't get me wrong the business is fine I've got the dividends and mortgages getting paid everything's great but there you you there isn't that comfort blanket if that makes sense no no no, of course it's it's a double-edged sword you know yeah it's a it's a double-edged sword you know within reason if a business is cash rich and got a million quid you can pay yourself what you like go Mm. Vegas four times a year is great happy days so, there's the bent, that's, that's a really good thing. But then the other side is if things aren't great, you don't have that guaranteed income, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you're working agency side and you are an employee, in theory, all around you could be failing. But as long as you're billing, you're going to be all right, I suppose. So, it's more, yeah. maybe more siloed, perhaps, if you're agency side. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's, it is one of those things that, again, I know, I know I mentioned before, people who are a little bit on the fence about doing it, that stability piece, especially with, individuals around them personally might not understand the, the world that they're in. Um, it's an incredibly easy thing to talk yourself out of. And I guess, was there a time pre-starting up that, that you were really tentative about doing it or were you just, I'm, I'm sure I do know the answer, but were you very fixated on, no, I'm always going to do it, this is what I'm doing, we'll kind of make up as we go along, we'll be fine, hopefully. Yeah, it's a really difficult question to answer because there wasn't like a huge, a huge build-up you know, sitting at my, sitting at my desk at Greenhill, which is where I was doing my marketing recruitment, coming in as coming and going as I pleased, because the business director said we could all do what we like. I was completely fine. And there's, Mm -hmm. there is an argument that if if Bobby hadn't made that phone call to me or sent that text at that time, Ross and David wouldn't exist right now. Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't gasping and desperate to do it. You know, I like to think that I wouldn't be a recruiter sitting behind a desk in a big recruitment firm somewhere else by now, I'd like to think I would have made the leap but it's really difficult to answer that question because you never know, you don't know what you don't know you know Um, but I I think I'd still be in recruitment, would I have started my own firm would I've gone internal? I don't know. So I can't answer it. So that's a really rubbish answer, mate. I'm sorry, mate. I mean, obviously, it then leans into to personally being ready and all those types of things. I mean, friends and family around you, then obviously being on this journey with you, and incredibly important part of obviously what you're doing. What What do they kind of think about what you were thinking about doing, and what you have been doing over the last three and a half years? I'm sure they've been very supportive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, very supportive. Yeah, my other half, Gemma, she's um, she's yeah, she's like my biggest fan I suppose when it comes yeah. to to work she also keeps me in check and tells me when I'm being too gobby which I need which is good yeah. but um but yeah everyone's everyone's really supportive of it and you know the business has grown fairly steadily and got to a decent point you know um, and I'm also quite proud of how the business sort of sailed the pandemic you know we didn't sack anyone we barely I think we furloughed one person for a month and we just we just cracked on you know how were you able to do that and was it cash reserves or was it your market was not untouched but but still there i mean how, how did you you get through that period it was it was cash reserves you know one of the yeah. one someone who who you know was sort of advising me from the beginning sort of from a distance was just saying the more cash you can have in the business the better you'll sleep at night and it's oh. just so true yeah. you know you could I, could I could rinse the business and take every single dividend possible and go on amazing holidays and have, a Ferrari and all this, that and the other, but that's not the point. That stuff will come much, much, much later on, yeah, you know, yeah, Touchwood. And yeah, yeah. um, But yeah, ca- ca- cash reserves was the, was, was the big thing. You know, we built up a decent amount of working capital that was sitting there. And we ultimately, we backed ourselves that, you know, if there are 20 marketing recruitment firms in the, in the, in the country and only three are going to survive, we're going to be one of the three because we're the best at what we do. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was confidence and it was client communication and, communication internally as well you know i've heard some horror stories about what some recruitment companies have done yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I guess it goes also goes back to that humility and confidence piece which is such a consistent thing throughout this whole conversation which is being vocal with your team and going on that journey together and it was something that you mentioned before in terms of yeah this might be my business you know 100% shareholders might be mine but it, it's very much a we're all in it together doing what we're doing and I, I think a lot of people can a lot of agencies can say that and then how they act is is, is slightly different Of course, but but I guess for yourself, obviously, it's hiring the right types of people around you and also having that mentality that really the the business is is separate to you. So when you're looking at salaries and and how you pay yourself, yeah, the business might be cash rich, but I'm sure you and Gemma are very strict as to what you draw and when you draw it because you've got probably a a personal game plan over the next five, 10 years as well. And I guess, yeah. Have there been personally challenges that you didn't expect when you started running or has it kind of been relatively smooth sailing personally doing what you've been doing? Um, I think it's, it's been relatively smooth sailing purely because we're always honest with yeah. clients and candidates. You know, I've worked in environments before where, you know, three, three recruiters in one agency are steering candidates towards different jobs that are going to make them more money. And, you know, there's an old adage to be a good liar. You've got to have a really good memory, you know, and it's we don't do any of that. So it's just it's just a nice place to do what we do. So I'm not trying to say it's easy because it's not. But there hasn't there haven't been any big like hiccups or bumps in the road. You know, I think that that if, if I had to say the mistakes that we've made have been the couple of bad hiring decisions. You know, Did we hire a little bit too quickly in that first six yeah, months, yeah. you know? Um, and then straight after that, we went right at the other end of the spectrum and hired a trainee who'd not done it for very long. Were we diligent enough in our interviewing of that person? Probably not. You know, I think, with, I think, with mistakes yeah. that you make, you've got to learn, you've just got to learn from them. And I think hiring into your own business is, is something that obviously, yeah. <laughs> You can never you you can hire for agencies and you can hire for teams and and new offices a hundred more times, but the moment it's it's your own cash, your own baby, your own vehicle, it it's incredibly hard because I'm sure like yourself, and and we've all had it, you you kind of think you can you can mould anyone into what you're doing. So sometimes you 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 kind of um I'm trying to say you, you, you kind of don't see the red flags that might be in hindsight there from day one because you you're so focused on well I'm as passionate as I am about it I can mold anyone into into mm-hmm. what I'm doing I guess I'm sure if you look back at in hindsight what I mean what was it about those first couple of hires without going into too much detail about it of course but was it was it timing do you think that maybe you hired too early or was it part of the process or how can I word this um the first hire was someone who came in to basically I would do the business development and the sales get the clients pass them to that person and that person had to manage the project do the the recruitment and place the person Um, and you know that person I think we passed her I mean a a, a substantial chunk of work and none of it was being converted so that was the issue at the time you know and that person also because they were senior uh, wasn't well yeah but it that person wasn't particularly comfortable being, not necessarily challenged, but having their performance and their methods questioned. Yeah. So that was really really tough. Um, I think that was the mistake there. Do I think we hired too soon? Probably not, because if we'd hired the right person, then they'd still be here. We today. Got all that work there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. But you know, maybe I I could I, maybe I mismanaged a person. Maybe I had my expectations were too high of that person, perhaps. I always try and look in those situations about anything that I could have done differently or better, yeah. so I can then take that through to the next hire. So, I suppose those are my learnings initially, and then with the other individual that was was more junior, it was it was more of a, a mismatching kind of attitude, I suppose. Well, you um, go from one end of the spectrum to the other because I'm sure you're on that journey with this experienced hire, you know, thinking which. Everyone does, you think, okay, this this individual's been in the game for, I mean, I'm making up, you know, been in the game for for 10 years, they can bring X, Y, Z to the table. I can absolutely see it, it'll work. And when it doesn't, you then start to question, okay, I'm gonna go to the absolute end of the other extreme, which is someone that I'm gonna have to train up and that's gonna, yeah, it's gonna take a lot of time, but obviously less exposure financially, but a lot more on the time. And I guess you can argue one of two ways, which is why nine times out of ten, people tend to fall then on people that they know they trust them and if they've been in the industry brilliant if they haven't then at least you know the, the kind of fish that you're dealing with. Sense. Yeah 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 you're, you're absolutely spot on I think there's, there's an argument for and against hiring someone completely green and this yes. is no disrespect to people with no experience but specifically in recruitment it takes a very specific type of individual to have the psychological resilience to do what we do you know you have your up days where you make placements and you have your down days where you don't and you've got to be able to be the right kind of person. And ultimately, if you, I'm sure there's a statistic you could find somewhere online, like the amount of people that work in recruitment and don't make it past the end of year one, oh, yeah. probably really high, you know? Um, so the risk of taking on those completely green people with no experience is that you don't know whether they're going to enjoy it, be good at it, be happy. Yeah. But the positive of that is they don't come with any bad habits and you can completely mold them in your method of doing recruitment. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword, which means that there's never. I mean, obviously, people say, you know, yeah, how do you hire into your startup? I mean, it's it's incredibly hard because no one, there, there isn't a uh, a hard and fast set of rules that if you follow this, it's going to be absolutely fine. Because otherwise, you'd be selling out for millions and you'd have your Ferrari by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> we'll get there one day. <laughs> and I guess obviously, there there are so many moments that I'm, I'm sure, as everyone does when they're running their own thing, you can sit back and reflect on. Bloody yeah, hell I, I you know, without obviously you're an incredibly humble guy, but I'm sure you do when you're sitting there maybe on your own or with Gemma, you think what we've built over the last three and a half years is, is I'm really proud of it. And I guess what mm. what what are you most proud of in terms of this vehicle that it is? So I'm sure the culture is a massively important thing. What else are you proud of with? Um it's gonna sound really cheesy. I've teed it up like that, too, haven't I? I yeah, really like, I know you yeah. have, mate. I know you have, but I'm not yeah. a cheesy bloke, so this doesn't it okay. makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. No, um I'm I'm really proud that there are five people, well, four people, five if you include the dog, but yeah. four people in four people in the office who enjoy coming to work, who earn well, who are happy, who are comfortable, and they're supporting their families off of the work that they do from a business that I created, I suppose. It's I've created an environment that people enjoy when they come to work and it's a vehicle for them to use their skills to provide for their family I suppose as cheesy as that sounds well I guess because really as cheesy as I know this is going to sound it's a vehicle for yourself as well you know this vehicle is going to give you and Gemma and that growing family and the dog type thing what you guys need over the years and 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 that's the the humbling thing of it is the fact that you still got to get up tomorrow and do the same thing the same thing in that variety I mean the, the, the routine piece is one that if we look at individuals who unfortunately it might have been a particular struggle for making that transition and whether they've been able to go through that struggle and come out the other side or not it's down, down to themselves mm-hmm. but routine is always one and being able to remain accountable because you go from buzzy offices cliches cliche as I know it sounds all the one group or wherever it might be type so thing then you're suddenly on your top and you're kind of like, well, no one's around you, no one's pushing you to do much. Yeah, you might have a business partner there, but I guess how did you kind of come to terms with getting into a new routine and then the accountability that comes with running something for yourself now that it is just you? Um, It's difficult because you're ultimately driven by the same thing, you know. Yeah. most. I'm not saying it's all about money because it's not, but ultimately you've got, you wake up in the morning and, you know, whether you decide to get out of bed or you want to stay in bed all day, your mortgage needs to be paid. Your bills need to be paid. You can't ring the bank and go, I don't fancy working this month. And you pause all my direct debits because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So that there is a level of accountability that just is absolutely immovable. So mm-hmm. that remained consistent, you know. And ultimately, you know, at, at when I started the business, I owned a house that I lived in that I bought when I was 22 or whatever I was. And I said to Gemma, I was like, right, within three years, we're going to buy a house of this calibre. And she said, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to afford to do that, etc. You know, my other half works in the NHS. She earned well, but she's not in a sales environment where she can earn a hundred grand commission or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, so the, the thing that kept me driven was not necessarily being told I couldn't do it, but saying I was going to do it and then did it. And we bought the house last year, moved into it in August and, that was a good goal you know that was something that we wanted to do so having having goals and setting yourself targets of what you want to achieve and and road mapping how to achieve it is definitely what's kind of kept me kept me going and motivated i suppose yeah and then how how often do you reckon in a given month or, or a quarterly period or whatever it might be do you take stock of that side of things and work it's a real cliche on the business as opposed to in it how, how many times is it every week that you might step back and say right are we still on course or is it Quarterly, I mean, how often do you take a step back and think about that type of stuff? Or 10 to 15 it? times a day? a day? I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> literally every single day, yeah. It's, you know, you're taking your head out of your projects that you've got and looking at the pipeline, looking at the placement sheet, looking at the money in the bank, looking at what bills have got to be paid, you know, looking at the staff in situation, you know, is everybody happy? Is everybody's technology working okay. It's, it's constant, the to-do list, it's just it never ends it's just a rolodex of things oh, yeah. that you need to do yeah. which yeah, is why you've got a, obviously offices and that, that's why you've got to absolutely love what you're doing and how you're doing it and i think something that you said about basically being consistent with the reasons why you're doing it and not bsing anyone around yourself and personally as to why you're in this game because otherwise you, you just you you're, you're presenting a front that ultimately is gonna is gonna crack at some point because it's such a hard yeah. thing to keep up yeah and i think yeah if, Final question, because I won't keep you too long, but I guess, you know, in terms of, right, so obviously you've been doing it for, for three and a half years, if you were, I'm sure, I'm, to, be, to be honest, I'm sure you do, sure you get people coming to you all the time talking about, okay, well, what would be your advice to, to anyone, you know, I'm a, I'm a recruiter, I want to do it, what would you be saying to me? I've been in. So I've been in the market for, let's say, seven years, I've, I've thought about it for you know, a couple of months, what advice would you be giving someone in that position to make sure that this is the right move for them? Um, The first thing is the business plan, which is the obvious one, but within that business plan, you've kind of got to have two versions. Mm -hmm. You've got to have your, what do I need as a minimum to hit to achieve, to make sure that this is uh, sustainable and tenable. And then you've got the other side of it is right. what, what what if I really push this, what can I go for? And as long as you land somewhere in between those, you're all right. Ultimately, um, But if you're trying, if you're thinking of making the leap, keep it as simple as you can. You know, don't have delusions of, you know, a a Range Rover company car and an office fit for 10 people within Q1 because you don't need it. You know, and all of those things cost money. So try and keep it as simple as possible. What are the raw materials and tools I need to do my job? How much are they going to cost me on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis? Try and get a PL sheet going before you've even started the business yeah. so that you can forecast if I bill 80 grand in my first year on my own out of my dining room, yeah. what's my profit? And you can you can forecast that. Take you a couple of hours to get your head around it. You can do that. Yeah. So forecasting is massively important. You know, I I I spent a good period of this business almost flying by the seat of my pants, knowing right, well we've billed 70 grand this month, so we're all right oh we've done 20 next month we wanted to do 30 we're not all right but it'll balance itself out you know and there was a, there was an element of that but you have to get you have to plan things properly you know yeah. so planning is really important understanding costs and also err on the side of pessimism you know if you've got an optimist a realist and a pessimist you want to be about here yeah in my opinion yeah, in my no, opinion no, no. Yeah. nothing you know nothing's done till it's done all that all those other kind of clichés but there's no point painting, yeah, it's, it's like when you're talking to anyone about it, there's no point painting a picture that it's going to be incredibly easy or that, you know, these wild aspirations of billing 2, 2.50 in your first year are going to come true because they're not, you know, in, Yeah, nine times out of ten, you might get really lucky and, and it might happen. But for the majority of individuals, it, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. So, you know, that sweet yeah. spot of whether it's, whether it's 80, 100, 120, 40, whatever it might be, as long as, as you were saying, yeah, as long as you're very realistic and erring on the side of pessimism with it all then really you're not going to be surprised at hopefully where you are in 12 months time so yeah yeah Yeah. it's 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 the man it's the management of your own expectations you know we talk we talk about it all the time about expectations should be transparent for clients and candidates but they also should be for yourself you know there's nothing worse than you putting a number on the top of your head and not achieving it because you just feel like rubbish you know so yeah and you got a price on your head, haven't you? Yeah, and, and also it's only going to affect one person. It's going to be yourself. So, so no, obviously, look, I really appreciate your time. I know anybody listening to this. I think there have obviously been some consistent things, but I think the humility and the confidence are hand in hand. There you go. That's the third time we'll do it. There you go. see There you uh, go. Uh, <laughs> you're guys. rubbing off. It's yeah, I need to stop this conversation it's catching, now. It's, it's a good guy, that David Brent, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, no, obviously, I really good. appreciate your time, and, and I'm sure, obviously, anyone listening to this will really appreciate it as well. So, thank you, mate. Thanks. Cool. No worries, mate. Nice one. I'll speak to you soon. Take it easy. Wow, Um, what an episode. I hope you found that as insightful and as as valuable as I did recording it. Adam spoke with humility, openness and and transparency around his journey so far. And there wasn't a period in that episode, honestly, that I didn't think you, a recruiter sitting there, perhaps having started their own agency or perhaps thinking about the idea would not have found useful um I, I thank Adam so much for that as I thought it was just full of so much value I mean there were there were so many good points and I'm, I'm struggling because I'm looking at my notes here I'm struggling to see really where to to start I think I'll yeah I'll start at the beginning um where we first spoke about the type of agency he was hoping to create and what in essence really drove him to start his own agency and and that something we touched upon quite a lot in the episode was the desire to create an agency of impeccable reputation and standards. Uh, a really hard thing to do when you're starting an agency or growing a team or, or building a business, but it's a theme that you know, we here at iSub have seen so many times over the years, and it's this desire to create an agency of really of a of an ethical and a, mo- a moral, sorry, compass that, that can then guide you through the market that you're in, if that makes sense. And I know that sounds incredibly kind of cliche and corny, but it is true. And the most recruiters are, of course, control freaks by, by nature. Um so so trying to create a business with impeccable reputation is hard when there are so many uncontrollable variables that can and, and might impact that business as it kind of progresses through time but but Adam to his credit of course has done just that and I liked how we learned how he did that in the opening parts of this episode and I think that that really links nicely to his hiring process hiring into a startup we all know is incredibly tough, uh, the best of times, but but chuck in such a clear vision, something that we spoke so deeply about, the, the ethics and morals you hold so dear is challenging then to hire the right types of people to, to say the least. And I liked how open he was about that, about both the, the hires that have worked out famously and, and ones that perhaps haven't. Um, and really there both why and how they Impacted the hiring process going forward, you know. Every day is a school day, you keep learning, you keep pushing forward. And I also liked how honesty was about kind of pre startup, Adam, because I think, um, I think sometimes, and I know I'm guilty of it from time to time, you, you can fall into this trap of painting a picture that there's always going to be kind of years and years and years and years of build up until the point where you make the leap and start your own agency and of course sometimes there is there have been many occasions over the years where that progressive yearly kind of conversation gradually becomes you know more serious and more serious and those thoughts become obviously more clear and it, and it is a process that, that might happen over three four five years but other times it, it, it's just not <laughs> other times the opportunity kind of sneaks up on you and after a few conversations about the idea the logistics become clear the areas that might have held you back you know whether that's a an understanding of accounts an understanding of compliance an understanding of the practicalities whatever it, it kind of might be become Gently less concerning uh, because you have a plan and you simply put jump and that's what happened to adam three and a half years ago and then kind of here we are it's a, it's a great journey and, and one that i am so pleased to be able to share with you so so thank you very much for listening and for tuning in to uh, another episode of the recruitment startup subject i'll see you next time and of course if you missed an episode you can find us that's all on kind of the usual outlets, you know, your Spotify, your Apple Playlists or your Apple Podcasts, sorry. and of course, the iSlow website where you'll see the videos and the transcripts attached to all the episodes so far.